0: Listening to the Jim Laird Show on Body IO FM, where health and performance collide,
1: with your host, Jim Laird. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Jim Laird Show, brought to you by Body IO FM. I am your host, Jim Laird. Today we have Craig Cottle on the line, who's the in charge of the Nature, uh, nature Reliance School. It's early. I just got out of bed, so I'm a little, yeah. a little choppy. And uh, I've been following Craig for quite some time on uh, YouTube. He's actually near me here in Lexington. He's in Winchester, and I actually met with Craig. A good friend of mine, Brian Jones, uh, Dr. Brian Jones, set me up with Craig because I was being considered for a uh survival reality tv show so craig was my go-to guy to kind of talk to me about that uh it uh some major changes in my business happened and i wasn't able to go so it didn't work out but it was still good to meet craig and the reason i want to have craig on the show today is because one he's living his passion i mean he has a business where he gets to do what he wants to do uh and he loves what he does and he's very good at what he does and two, I think, you know, this being, uh, you know, the health and wellness type thing, I think one of the biggest problems today is people just don't get outside. They don't hike. They don't camp. You know, I grew up in northern Canada. I grew up hunting and fishing and getting outside and camping and and uh, people today with cell phones and especially kids, you know, this this generation we have now, a lot of them have never been outdoors before. So with that being said, I'll turn it over to Craig. Craig, why don't you just give us a quick um, introduction into how you got into doing what you're doing and then you can go into this you know all your data on why it's important for us to get outside
0: oh man thank you i uh, very very happy to do so uh, i got started very naturally um it sounds like much the way you did jim i grew up in a family that and uh, that was close you know we were not only were we farmers but we also uh our, our amusement park trips were to the woods rather than amusement parks if that makes sense yes. uh, we did a whole lot of camping as a family i did period correct reenacting when i was younger uh, meaning i lived in teepees and lean tos and basically on the ground uh, and, and not uh, well for the purpose of reenacting and providing um, uh, demonstrable skills to people as a educational opportunity but also uh, just for fun. I mean, what people often call survival skills today were things that I just, I just did. They were fun. They were just my life. Uh, it was, you know, going out and just laying down on the ground, sleeping at night, and maybe throwing a tarp over you or something of that nature was just, you know, just what we did naturally for fun. And and uh, I mean, obviously, it was a very good learning experience. And uh, sometime later on, I, I I've been teaching hand-to-hand combatives and martial arts for a number of years as well and one of my students uh, sent me a, a, a notification about a survival class down in North Carolina. He said you need to go down there and try this out you would love this stuff. I went down there to North Carolina real intelligent instructor Richard Cleveland and Mr. Cleveland taught a class that charged you know $800 for a week of training and it was all stuff that I already knew. I didn't realize people wanted to be trained in that. And so I came you thought back.
1: it was you thought it was common knowledge?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did., uh, you know, I you know I'm I, I know it sounds like I may have just grown up on the farm and never left it, but I have a degree in statistical analysis from UK. so I mean i I got outside the farm some too but but as far as outdoor skills, you know obviously I knew not everybody had them, but I just didn't realize people were interested in paying money to have people teach them such skills. I thought they were skills that only, got handed down from father to son or mother to daughter, mother mother to son or whatever. And so I started Nature reliance School shortly thereafter and started teaching people outdoor skills, everything ranging from survival to land navigation, tracking, and, and all the intricacies that go along
1: with it. That's awesome. Um, you know, it's funny because, you know, you talk, people laugh at me because I, you know, I'm, I'm, you and I are very similar. You know, I have a go bag in my truck and I have, you know, all these different things. And I'll go out when it snows. I'll go out and sleep in a baby bag outside Mm -hmm. because I like it. Enjoy it. Right. And I love the cold and all that good stuff. But, you know, there was an ice storm here in 2001 uh, when I first when I first moved here uh, to Lexington. And um, we were lucky enough. The girl I was dating at the time, we were lucky enough to have a a fireplace in her house. And we went down to, to Home Depot and... Uh, their, they, 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 their generators would only run the register. And I was shocked at, this was 2001, so this was years ago, at the number of people that couldn't cut a 2 by 4 with a handsaw. Like right. I'm sitting there putting like four two by 4s together and just buzzing through this with a handsaw because they, they couldn't run their regular saws. We have lost the ability to just live without technology. It's, it's, it's insane. It's, it's probably even worse now. Um, so developing some of these skills, you know, just in case we have some sort of, you know, natural disaster, man-made or natural, uh, I think is, is important.
0: Oh, absolutely. And the same, the same, uh, ice storm that you're describing my family, my young family, my kids were real little then, uh, we were without power for three weeks yeah. And we were fine. I mean, now mm-hmm. do we, we made some serious adjustments, you know, we went to one room in the house. We, we all slept in one big pile of bed together to, to conserve body heat and, and, and any number, I mean, we melted snow for water because, mm-hmm. you know, the waters, we had to turn the water off for it freezing pipes. So it, you know, it's just all simple things that again, to me are simple are something that just a lot of people don't have. Yeah. Uh, and, and just have never been exposed to. I know uh, there was a there was a piece that was uh, circulating social, social media over the last couple of weeks and particularly in the last week that millennials need survival training. And they did this big poll at a at a boat show where they discovered that 40% of the people in attendance that were of the millennial age could not tie a knot. And 50% of them had never swam in a open lake or river. Yeah, The only water they'd ever been exposed to was what was in the shower or what was in a, you know, a A swimming pool. Yeah. And so it was just that, that actually breaks my heart.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, it it hurts me to, to know what, what is out there, what's available to us in nature. Uh, You know, it's so beneficial to us and just so many people are not getting it because I don't know if they're, you know, like you said, we're all tied into our phones, but at the same time, a lot of the people are at this point don't have any education on how to just be safe. So they're scared to go out and you know, we we try to fix that.
1: Well, I think it's cause a lot of it is our Western culture is so busy. We don't have time to do stuff like that anymore. And most people are so maxed out with bills that they don't have, they have to work all the time. They don't have time to go do stuff like that. It's funny. We have um, a lot of interns come through here. And we do a lot of stuff with like pulling, dragging things with ropes and we have to tie knots. And I told this one kid that came in, uh, you know, go tie these uh these ropes to the sled and he goes, How? You know, I had to show him how to tie oh, wow, man. A, a basic knot. It was like, dude, figure yeah. it out. He, he couldn't he was he just couldn't get it, you know. Hey, this was, no
0: joke. On my on my YouTube channel, I have uh, I, i'm okay successful on youtube i have one video that just has blown out of the i mean it's crazy
1: See your successful. tying knots video
0: it's five the five most useful knots for camping yeah survival and outdoor use i can't remember exactly what the title it's it's well over a million views uh like a million three now and it's i mean everything else i have is you know around the four or five thousand range right and this this video it's been picked up the reason it's so successful because it, it got picked up by reddit
1: mm-hmm.
0: and all these fine people um, of millennial age were on there going this is the coolest video I've ever seen and all it is <laughs> is tying knots that that you know up until I started teaching publicly, quite frankly I didn't I didn't know the names of them myself right. I just tied them. My dad yeah. taught them to me or my uncle taught them yeah. to me. I don't know. Maybe I figured them out on my own. I don't even remember where I learned them, but I just tied what worked and, and didn't know the names. So I, you know, discover the names for them obviously and, and put a video out there and it, it's crazy, man. Something, something as simple as that is so successful.
1: So I think mine, in my opinion, um, people not getting outside is, is one of the big reasons, you know, that, and all the crap food people eat today. And, Mm -hmm. Uh, people sit in desks all day, but I think not being outside and not getting, uh, that outdoor exposure is a huge part of our health crisis that we're having in this country. Um, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Well, uh, I agree with you 110%. I don't think I could agree with you anymore. Um, one of the things that I collect a lot of pieces of information and, and some of them just really stand out to me. One of them was, uh, there was a study done by the National Academy of Sciences that showed that, you know, if only a 90-minute jaunt into the woods doesn't necessarily have to be a forest like the Daniel Boone National Forest. It could be for you guys in Lexington. And, you know, a good example is going to a place like Veterans Park. I mean, just 90 minutes in Veterans Park, whether you're walking around or whether you want to just sit down, Uh, this study proved that there's, tremendous amount of health benefits particularly for your stress levels if you're just in a natural environment trees grass any number of things and you know you could be around a ball field even but uh, not everybody has a huge big old farm and and a field to get into I don't I live in a neighborhood but I make time because obviously my life depends upon it my my well-being It, it you know I get outside in the woods every day to track and train and do any number of things but but uh, the, these studies that are so simple, and, and it's stuff that we know, that we don't have to have a lot of education. We don't have to go out and do survival necessarily, although I love to see people do it. We, we can just get out and sit down, have a picnic. Something as simple as that's very good for our health.
1: Yeah, we just have to make the time for it. It's just like basic meditation or uh, you know, I tell people to go for a 30-40 minute walk outside every day, not to burn calories, but for enjoyment because it's mm-hmm. enjoyable being outside. Unfortunately, the weather, uh, right now is, uh, is, is gross. Uh, I'd much rather have five degrees and sunny than this, uh, rainy crap that we've had.
0: Um, well, I mean, and, and that's another thing too, you know, some, uh, some people, when they go in the rain, what's the saying? Some people, they go in the rain, they, they, uh, some people go in the rain, some people get wet, yeah. you know? I mean, me, I mean, I, I, the last five days I've been in the, in the woods leading a tactical survival class where I was out for, for four days. And the only way to get used to being outside in the rain is to to be
1: outside outside in the
0: rain. And see, I does
1: not it doesn't bother me either. You know, I love acting as long as you have the right gear and you're prepared and, um, you know, you know how to start a fire in this stuff, which takes practice, um, that doesn't bother me but I think people today are so used to being comfortable and having oh, yeah, absolutely. having a thermostat and having you know being dry they're afraid to get cold they're afraid to get wet um, so yeah and
0: those things are easy to overcome too and, and I mean I Hopefully we can get into it while we're talking today about some easy things that we can do to help people get over those kind of fears or not, not even just fear. If Maybe it's just apprehension. I don't know what to do, Craig. So how do I go about getting outside? You know, we can we can talk about those things, too, because they're easy to fix. Right. Our, our our focus at Nature Reliance School is on mindset, skills, tactics and gear. Mindset first. If you develop the right mindset, you can overcome a lot of things either in lack of experience and skills or gear. If all you do is buy the right gear and you think the gear is going to save you in a predicament, <laughs> then, you know, you're sadly mistaken. This has been proven over and over again. And so we, we take that broad approach to, to make sure people are safe when they're in the outdoors of mindset, skills, tactics, and
1: gear. So, you know, obviously start with start slow go to a park you know try and get in the habit of going to a park getting outside laying down in the grass you know getting yourself outside a couple times a week you know where, where do mean, you go where do you go from there like well what would I wouldn't even step? go
0: from there I would start somewhere else and this is what I tell people if you have the money because it seems like the, the people that don't have a lot of money and and my wife and I've talked about this for years uh, part of what my wife grew up, Real city folk, real city-fied, never spending much time outside. She'd been to Natural Bridge State Park twice in her lifetime and really not spending any time out in the woods. And now she's a edible and medicinal plants expert and, and teaches this all over the country. Been on TV several times. So, you know, what, what I did with her, which I think works for a lot of people because I've seen this, is that people that don't have a lot of money, which is my wife and I, as we were first married and, and, and starting to raise our kids, we didn't have a lot of money. So we went to the woods for enjoyment because mm-hmm. we, you know, we couldn't go to the mall and buy the kids, whatever clothes they wanted. We couldn't go to the movies, you know, every weekend, we couldn't go out to dinner on a regular basis. We would just go to national parks, national forest, Dandaboo National Forest and play in a Creek.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now to get other people started the that do have money those are the people that I think if you don't have money you can start like that if you do have money here's the even better choice go to a lodge somewhere and eat at the you know get dinner at the lodge hang out on the back porch of the lodge and eventually somebody's gonna wanna explore a little bit more then you start going to a park On a regular basis, maybe you take, you know, if you're a runner and you typically run on a treadmill at a gym or whatever and they work out with you, you know, just as you've recommended at least take one walk a a week and go to Veterans Park and walk around uh, in addition to your regular workout or, or whatever it might be something where you're just taking those baby steps and then you know the first time you decide you're going to do an overnight in a wilderness like in a campground make sure this is this is key this is what i think is really key is take really good food that people like to eat and make sure that their sleeping arrangement is very comfortable and they have showers if you think that you're going to encourage people to get started into the outdoors and the best way to do that is just thrust them into a campground where their their hygiene's not worth they're used to. They're just eating hot dogs and their sleeping arrangement sucks, and they wake up with a sore back. You know they're not going to want to do it anymore. So I throw the whole you know I threw the whole kitchen sink at my wife. You know that everything we you know when we first started we we would take particularly for the kids. I I would have a pot, pack that I bet that sucker weighed 150 pounds. <laughs> because I would make sure that my kids were incredibly comfortable. All the toys they like to play with, they they got to play with while they were out in the woods. And then slowly but surely over the years, you know, I just started slowly but surely taking things away from them and they learned how to enjoy the outdoors more so than the stuff that we were taking to the outdoors. And obviously a lot of that has to do with education. You know, you can take field manuals and any number of things to the woods with you to help you. But, you know, I think that's a, that, that works as a pretty good progression from my perspective.
1: Absolutely. That sounds like a, like a good, uh, just like exercise. I mean, when you or martial arts or anything, you have to start with the basics and you start oh, yeah. slow. And <clears throat> you know, a lot of the people that come to our gym, they come to our gym because they've been to other gyms and they got beat up so bad. They were so sore. They couldn't walk for four days right? and they, they never wanted to go back. And, sure. and so it's the same thing too. It's all about about adaptation, and you talked about mindset, and I think that's uh, very, very important. You know, we have this, uh, um, our society today has gotten gotten kind of soft and uh, comfort, and so how do you work on getting yourself to be able to handle, you know, uncomfortable situations where you're not in total control of what's going on and and, uh, and, and things like that, where you don't have these creature comforts that we're used to?
0: Well, you don't, uh, again, I think you do it in a progressive nature. You don't want to, you don't want to just throw somebody to the wolves and go, okay, it's going to rain tonight. We're going to go out and sleep in the backyard because it's going to suck. Nobody's, and, and if they're not used to it, they're not going to like it. So, you know, again, the, the natural progression, I think. And, and I'm really talking about people that are brand new. I'm not talking about somebody that's lived a, a farming or homesteading lifestyle and they now want to get into survival. I'm talking about right. people that have lived in you know, a neighborhood all their life. That, you know, their primary source of entertainment is either Netflix or the phone and, and concerts and stuff of that nature. Nothing wrong with that at all. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that at all. But now they realize, hey, I would like to either get my family out more or I want to get out more, then the progression is, again, go to a campground where you can brush your teeth and take a hot shower. You know, sleep in, uh, set, if you have a vehicle that you can sleep in, set up your bed in your vehicle because you know you'll have a good shelter there and the tent doesn't leak and stuff like that. Slowly but surely, take clinics and workshops with organizations such as what we offer, uh, you know, camping and backpacking stores like J&H and stuff of that nature. You know, they, they offer any number of, clinics on how to select a sleeping bag and a tent and all that stuff and, and take them. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a YouTuber, so watch YouTube videos you can learn a man. Yes. I fixed my air conditioning unit a couple of months ago or, or back in the summer by watching YouTube. Now I'm not a HVAC guy, but I, I took parts off of it and put other parts back on. It works fine now. I mean, YouTube is pretty incredible. Actually,
1: it's it a great, out. it's a great resource. It's and, and
0: it's full of, it's full of people that are, there's, that are just not good at what they do too. And I think it's pretty easy to see who yes. knows what they're talking about and who's not. But, but, um, but absolutely. I mean, those are all resources that really, you know, J and H wants to sell sleeping bags. So they'll offer clinics on sleeping bag selection to help people, yep. uh, obviously. So, you know, that stuff you can get, you can get all that kind of training. You know at a at a clinic like that or on youtube for free Mm -hmm. and and then you can make appropriate decisions on what kind of gear to get and where to go and and there's any number of books out there that you can get and all the stuff that goes along with it
1: well and rooftop tents too that that's a huge thing that's that's available now too or you can you know spend a a thousand dollars and have a have a tent on the top of your vehicle you can even get them for cars that folds out instantly you know, that you stay two or three nights in a hotel and, you know, you've paid for your rooftop tent. I mean, that's an option as well. And, and then you have all sorts of great stuff. Um, you know, I have a Hennessy hammock. I got one thanks to one of your YouTube videos. Oh, Um, you know, that's another option too. So you're off the ground. So there's all these different, and, and you sleep in one of those hammocks in a sleeping bag and it's pretty, it's pretty damn comfortable. I've slept in, you know, minus, you know, minus 15, minus 20 with no problem whatsoever. So, There's all sorts of options out there for people.
0: Yeah, I agree. And there's any number of people that do stuff like I do. Obviously me. I I love to help people. But there's so many people that do what I do that know that they would love to see more people outside. And we're more than happy to do whatever we can to help people do that and and give them the – the education, the help, the assistance to help people get outside because it, it, it's good for the whole, it's good for the world, man. I mean, I hate to be all whatever, but, yeah, uh, but it's good. I mean, if everybody around us is stressed, less stressed out, um, more in tune with themselves then we can all do our jobs better, whether it's, you know, we're an accountant for a big firm or whether we're a garbage man or whether we're, you know, an outdoor survival instructor or we run a gym and we, we all do our jobs better if we're stress free. And we know for a fact that getting outside helps that. So, you know, we'd like to help people do it.
1: Yeah. You have to be when you're outdoors, you know, you're hiking down in Creek. You've got to be mindful. Like you just can't go crashing down that trail. You bust your face open.
0: No, you can't.
1: You've got to slow down and you've actually got to pay attention to what you're doing, which is uh, a big problem today.
0: Yeah, and, and I know you were going to ask me about it, Jim, and I, but it just the opportunity to talk about it now is is good. Uh, I'm not here just to sell books, but hey, man, I've got a book and it's a good one. And in, in the book, one of, I have five chapters on this topic that me and you're discussing right now, which is mindset. And one of the chapters in there is totally focused on how to avoid danger. Mm -hmm. You know, how how to recognize storms when they're coming, how to recognize that, you know, what kind of critical decisions, well, basically situational awareness and critical decision making. You know, how to go about doing that, not just, hey, yeah, I see that creek and it's rising, maybe I shouldn't go there. But when you recognize that problems are occurring, how to kick yourself in the pants in your mind. To know, you know, I need to go back home so that I don't get in trouble. Yeah. We don't have to call a search and rescue team. And then next weekend we'll do it again and have a better time. I mean, a lot of what I've done, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've been lost. Uh, I've had to stay out overnight in in a place. I've done it twice. I've had to stay out twice in a place that I didn't want to stay out in, that I didn't purposely go out there to do. I spent 30 days in the woods on my own twice with with uh, nothing more than a knife trying to improve my skill set. And man, there were a lot of failures in there. And uh, I don't want people to fail. I want them to succeed. So, you know, take a class, get a book, study with YouTube, do whatever to help increase your your mindset so that you can go out there and you. Hey, you continue to do it. You don't get in trouble like I did. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, you talk about situational awareness. I mean, this even applies to everyday life. I mean, I was in the mall probably six months ago, and there was a lady just collapsed in the middle of the mall, and there <clears> must have been ten or fifteen people just walked right by her on their phone, didn't even notice. You know, wow. You know, it, that's the that's the world we live in today. So,
0: you know, I think that's one of the benefits that that came about with nature Reliance school. Because again, I've been teaching. Uh, martial arts for so long, and martial art—the stuff that I taught was so keen on awareness and what's going on around you—and so much that you know we did meditation on a regular basis and and all that—and and that that affected me deeply in how I teach people nature classes. Uh, you know, the United States Special Forces did a, an incredible, incredible study about 25 years ago on the value of meditation and basically woodsmanship skills, I don't know what else to call it, and 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 some martial arts training where they just, all it was purposed to do over a 20-week period was to increase their situational awareness. They did it through martial arts. They did it through meditation. They did it through just firecraft and, and knife craft and stuff of that nature. But it the level of their ability to do their job as special forces was increased greatly by those pieces of the puzzle and it wasn't that they did anything special right they did stuff that all of us have access to whether it's you know i mean a a good example for you guys i think is you know just all the little pieces and parts that make lifting weights right that's all situational awareness too that blends over. I mean, you got to have your butt in a certain position, your heels in a certain position and your hands the right way. And if not, you could cause problems and any things that go along with a deadlift, for example, Yes. you know, that's, that's all situational awareness. And if you allow yourself to think like that all the time and you, it, it can be stressful at first, Mm -hmm. I'll I'll say that because you're thinking about all these minute details over and over and over again. Once you get used to doing that, you won't walk by that lady anymore. You'll you'll be able to still look at your phone, but you'll still see her too. Right. and, And can render aid or, you know, notify somebody to render aid or whatever it might be. And it's just, you know, nature is a good teacher like that. Being in a gym is a good teacher like that.
1: Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, you have somebody that wants to go, you know, start going out in the woods and doing things. What are a couple basic things that, you know, somebody wants to spend an afternoon in in Daniel Boone National Forest or or wherever? What are some real what would be the bare basic things that you would tell somebody to take with them? Okay,
0: Um, first off, there's a little bit of just mindset that I, I just have to say, because this will save a lot of lives if I say this and people actually listen to me. Tell someone where you're going and when you expect to return. That way, if something happens and you don't come back when you're supposed to, they can get help to you much sooner than expected. You know, The the research is there to just back me up over and over and over again that if people had notified somebody, then they wouldn't have to the, – the search and rescue teams or law enforcement or firefighters, whoever came looking for them, were all behind the eight ball, man. They were all under pressure because somebody had been gone for four days. Yeah. So, number one, hey – Tell somebody, whoever, parents, wife, husband, girlfriend, boyfriend, somebody at the gym, you know, somebody at work, somebody, hey, I'm going up to the Daniel Boone. I'm going to go hike on trail 112, and I'm going to be out by 5, I'll call you. And if I don't, then alert somebody. And that. Now, as far as to, to directly answer your question, here's some things that I would recommend every single person carry with them in the woods. Some first aid gear, which would include So the, the number one uh, injury in the outdoors is an injury below the knee, Yeah. whether it's a sprained or broken ankle, that's, that's the primary injury that is seen more than any other injury in the outdoors. So I would have something to help fix an ankle injury, you know, take some first aid training to know what that is. And, and what, what I take is I actually have a first day kid that has a Sam splint in it. I also know how to make, make a splint out of other gear, including sticks from the woods and cordage and duct tape. But beyond that, I would always carry some sort of a tarp, even if it's something as simple as a military poncho and some way to start fire.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And last but not least, As far as just a, just a simple day hike, I would walk into the woods hydrated. Yes. And we should be hydrated anyway. And, and man, I know, you know, this as well as anybody, but the vast majority of us walk around dehydrated Mm -hmm. and I had a special forces soldier tell me years ago in a class that I was teaching. And, you know, I learned a lot from these guys that are in class. I was, he said, the best place to store water is in your stomach. Just just in an effort to teach, you know, just to share a way of remembering, hey, you should always walk around hydrated because you don't want to find yourself lost in a wilderness and then already be dehydrated and have to find water in the wilderness. There's some water filtration devices that you can utilize to do that, but let's go ahead and be hydrated when we walk out there. Yeah. Carry water with you. And basically... You know, if you've got that sort of thing, and dependent upon the weather, some sort of layering on clothes uh, that'll keep you warm if you have to lay down on the ground. Something like that is what you need to go out every single time you go outdoors. In my opinion, that's the bare minimum. There's a few other things I would probably carry, but that would be the bare minimum. And I say that all that stuff right there because. You can carry everything that I just mentioned in a cargo pocket of, you know, some, you know, cargo pocket pants or a small, a very tiny backpack. Yeah. Uh, all that, all that I just mentioned would be under ten pounds. Because if you're not used to carrying a lot of weight, then you're not going to be comfortable. Maybe going outdoors and you th- feel like you got to have a million thing. You don't. You know, I teach our our advanced wilderness survival course the students are only allowed to have 25 pounds or less and they make their way for three days with 25 pounds or less. And most anybody can carry 25 pounds in a backpack without much trouble at all. So that's
1: yeah, amazing. Ab- absolutely. And, you know, the, the the availability of like little medical kits and uh, thanks to Amazon and then all the, I mean, you can go over to Dick's Sporting Goods or J&H and you can get all sorts of stuff like, fire starting kit, first aid kit. You know, I carry that around in my pocket every day. People think I'm nuts, but, um, you know, I've always got a lighter, a flashlight, a first aid kit in my pocket constantly and a knife. And it's very reasonably priced. You can get this stuff for, for reasonable. Um, and, and I've just, I carry it every day cause I, you never know, you know, what's going to happen. And if you never, you never use it great. I mean, but if you need it, it sure as hell is great to have it there when you when you need it. So
0: Oh man, yeah. And and you know, in the real near future, we're gonna have our store up on our website too. And I'm talking within the next couple of weeks. And and one of the things that I noticed even in, you know, let's say you go to Dick's and you get a there's a wilderness first aid kit. Okay. Here's what's in a wilderness first aid kit. The same thing that's in the other first aid kits and some poison ivy cream. Mm-hmm. You know, it's primarily Band-Aids, some really cheap tape that doesn't work really well. And so you, you anybody can go to Walmart, yeah. Kroger's even, and buy the basic supplies cheaper and make their own kit. It's just, you know, what are the fundamental things? 4 before gauze and, and duct tape. That's my first aid kit for most problems.
1: The handyman's secret weapon duct tape. <laughs>
0: duct tape man duct tape and paracord oh my gosh and you that can kind of
1: uh crazy glue is great too i mean you can do all sorts oh, of stuff so and, hey, the, you know, and let all me say that real yeah, quick yeah, Jim, oh, i'm sorry you
0: mentioned something that i think needs to be reiterated because you were right on the money uh, if daniel boone could have carried a lighter with him he would have so you know some people think well i don't want to carry a lighter that's cheating no being outdoors <laughs> and making fire there is no cheating Yes. You now, particularly survival training now, if you want to learn how to make rub two sticks together, then come to class. You know, we'll teach you how to do that. But I, Craig Cottle, who can rub two sticks together and make fire, I carry a lighter with me everywhere I go. I carry a knife with me everywhere I go. I carry a ferro rod with me everywhere I go. And that's how I run my life. And I'm a woods ninja, you know. Right. I mean, right. I, I know my way around the woods really well. But that's, I think that's the key is that. Some some people want to suffer, and I and I get that. That's good. Stress inoculation is great training. I put students through it all the time. But if you're a beginner, which is what we're focusing this, focusing this discussion on, then don't assume that just running out and trying to be. Uh, Billy badass in the woods, or a woods ninja, or you know, some special forces seer instructor, or whatever, is the way to go in the beginning. Be okay with heck again, going to the lodge, getting some dinner, and enjoying some tea out on the deck, just looking at the trees.
1: Yep, start where nothing you are.
0: What's that, important? Yeah, nothing at all. I love seeing people do that stuff.
1: Well, and and that, that too, and and I tell you what, there's nothing better than having some cotton balls dipped in Vaseline when you're uh, trying to start a fire, when it's damp and moist and all that good stuff. So I'll, I'll use whatever tools I can. It's like Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee said, there's no such thing as cheating in a fight.
0: <laughs> I agree. I agree 100%. Uh, you know, I mentioned that we I taught a tactical survival class. It was a private tactical class this past weekend, and it rained for four days while we were out. And one of the exercises that these gentlemen had to accomplish was they had to build fire in the rain. And they could only use stuff from the environment and stuff that they had in their pockets at the time. And none of them had a lighter. Bad mistake. Don't ever do that in a Craig Cottle class. I always have a a lighter in your pocket. And I I allow them to use one of my lighters, but they made everything else from the environment. It took a good 45 minutes. And these guys that had all been to uh, a survival basics class with me, they all know how to make fire well. But, man, the added stress of trying to make all that happen in the rain, although they did it, is hard. But why not just, you know, I carry fast fire with me. It's You know, it's a really good um, item to have because it it works in the rain. And, you know, you light it and it's, you know, it can rain on it and it still burns. That stuff is, you know, that stuff and stuff like it is invaluable. Uh, I carry it, you know, it's in my go bag. It's in the pack that goes out in the vehicle with me everywhere I go. So, you know, it, no, there is no cheating, man. I mean, I, I'm, I want to stay
1: warm tonight. Yeah, No doubt. There's nothing worse than having to dig under trees to find dry, dry leaves and dry tinder in the middle of a rainstorm or try to find the right kind of bark that will light. There's nothing worse than that. I agree. Um, let's kind of go, you know, we were talking about beginner stuff, but I don't think people realize you know this is a very violent world we live in you know if you look at our planet from space there's craters all over the planet Mm -hmm. we have one of the biggest faults in the united states runs right down the border of kentucky we have this uh thing called the sun that puts out electromagnetic pulse uh you know basically explosions on the sun in the late 1800s, knocked out the entire power grid in the country, and obviously it wasn't as complicated back then as it is now, and people didn't rely on it, but I don't think people realize, you know, when you look at things like Katrina, you look at things like, you know, if the power grid went out or if there was an earthquake, I don't want to freak people out, but I don't think people realize how fragile our modern life is, and all it would take is for you know, an earthquake of eight, eight point five, nine or electromagnetic pulse from the sun. And all of a sudden, all our modern conveniences are gone. So, you know, somebody might be listening to this and go, oh, crap. Well, you know, what do I do if there's no water, if there's no, you know, no Kroger, no, no Walmart, how do you get people that are just totally unaware of this stuff to start thinking about, hey, you know, maybe I need to store a little water or maybe I need to have some supplies on hand just in case there's something like a Katrina or, or an ice storm, you know, like in 2001. How do you get people to start going in that direction?
0: Here's how I do it. Number one, I have a conversation with them about the things that you just talked about. And here's how I approach the conversation of the New Madrid Fault. What's the percentage of likelihood that that Fault line is going to go off again, and people look at me and go, "Well, that's probably not likely." And I, I I hurt their feelings. It's
1: very likely (laughs) that it's
0: it is one hundred percent guaranteed that it is going to go off again. It's just when. When now the thing is, it could go off, and there's no way of determining it. There's no way of forecasting it. It could go off while me and you are sitting here talking. Mm -hmm. It could go off 150 years from now, but it is going to go off again. So. That number one wakes people up, especially when I point out, because I'm assuming a lot of the folks that listen to you are from the Lexington area, or at least know Lexington, Louisville, Kentucky area. Um, Here's something about Lexington. Lexington is not designed to be a city that deals with earthquakes. The Fifth Third Bank, if that fault goes off at 8.2 like it did in 1812, the Fifth Third Bank is going to be on the ground. Yes. So the next time you all that are in the Lexington area look up at the Fifth Third Bank when that that building is not designed to withstand an 8.2 earthquake, it will fall. And,
1: and that many, will suck.
0: Many buildings in the city of Lexington will do the same thing. They'll they'll just be on the ground. Now that that's a that is a will happen, not a might happen. That is a will happen. Now, here's how I encourage people that want to actually prepare themselves for it. This is what I tell them to do. And it's so simple, go to your house, turn the water off, turn the electric off for a week and take notes on what happens. And when that week is up, have a solution to fix those problems if they occur down the road. And I'm not saying do that in the middle of the winter like right now. Do it in the spring when it's not going to be that bad of a temperature. Find out what happens to your family when there's no electric and there's no water. Some things that will come up are this. One, how do we cook food? Microwave doesn't work. Stove doesn't work. Well, you need to get some sort of other stove that you can cook food on. And the big one that really bypasses most people's mindsets is they can't flush the commode anymore. So let's say, like at my house, we've got a family of five here, you know, all of us adults. And not to be gross, but, you know, we all poop at the house.
1: Yes. And every, if
0: we're pooping at the poop. house, if we're pooping at the house and we can't flush it, where, what are we going to do with all that? Because that's a lot of poop after a week. Mm-hmm. So you need to have a solution for that. You know, my solution is we've got the means to, to build a latrine in the backyard and cover it with lime as we're utilizing it, okay? I mean, that's a solution. If you don't have a solution for that, I'm just telling you, when you when poop starts piling up in the toilet, there's no way of flushing it. You have no way of disposing it. That's when everybody starts getting sick because hygiene goes down the tubes because people haven't been able to take a bath. And, you know, that's that's the, you know, I'm not a tinfoil hat wearing kind of guy. I, but I, I do look at disaster preparedness based upon things that are likely. Earthquake here in Kentucky is likely, 100% likely that it's going to happen. So I want to be prepared for that. And that's that's what I've recommended people to do. I, I can just tell you with certainty that very few people ever do that. And that's sad because the, the reason I say that is that everything that I do in training people, I like to have a fallback plan. If things go bad, like we've had a couple of people go hypothermic in a class because they tried to push the envelope. Well, we got solutions for that so they don't die, right? Uh, that's not your typical basic survival class. That's advanced, you know, military stuff that we do. But, but something as simple as turning the electric and water off of the house, you know, you're still in your same bed. You've still got all the blankets that you could possibly want if you have them in your house, you know, you might find out you don't have enough blankets in your house. <laughs> you 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 might need to invest in a sleeping bag if you don't have one. All these things that'll come up from that, and and you're not in danger because if it gets too rough and everybody's starting to get at each other's throat, well, turn the electric back on and the water back on, and realize, hey, I'm not ready. I yeah. need to get these things or I need to train like this. And it's it's pretty simple methodology in my opinion, and quite frankly, I think it's pretty brilliant.
1: I agree 100%. And and people people just I'm a huge student of history and people just don't look at history and and catastrophe, extinction, ice ages, meteors, this is all a natural part of the life cycle. Forest fires. I mean this stuff is it happens. We've just yeah. kind of with modern technology we've just kind of been been shielded from it. And, um, all this stuff is going to happen. I mean, a solar flare from the sun will happen. It's just Mm -hmm. a matter of time when it happens. So it's, um, you know, people don't want to talk about this stuff because it makes them feel uncomfortable. But if you go back, you know, one of the reasons why the great depression people survived is because they, they canned food, you know, they, they, they didn't have refrigerators. They didn't have these things, these comfort, um, things you know what what's gonna happen if that stuff's ever taken away it'll it'll be an absolute mess so if you can just get a few simple things now it'll make your life uh, much more uh, easier and survivable if you start ahead of time as opposed to waiting for it to happen and then having to wait for some government agent government agency to to bail you out and and like you said it doesn't have to be expensive most of the stuff we're talking about, you can get at Walmart or Home Depot, for you know under a hundred dollars. You know, yeah, absolutely. It's something as simple as a bucket to go to the bathroom in. Yep. That you can go dump somewhere. Exactly. It could mean the difference between you surviving and not surviving. I agree, hundred percent. Filling mean, it, filling your bathtub up and having you know some some tablets to put in that water, or having the ability to boil bar boil water on your barbecue. Um, in the backyard, you know, that could be the difference between you making it and not making it.
0: I agree. I agree. And it is so simple, man. And it it's just a matter of putting your thought to it. And either you do some real good planning or you find a, you know, find a resource that helps you with it, or you do exactly like I said, which is turn the electric and water off. Cause I mean, that exposes a lot of stuff real quick, like yes. real quick, like, and, um, we had done that as a family years and years ago. And then when the electric went off for three weeks, we had a plan. I didn't have a wood burning stove or any, I mean, I had to utilize uh kerosene heat mm-hmm. for three weeks and there's a way to do that and keep the family safe too. And not get sick and, you know, suffer from carbon monoxide. Well, too. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta take care of those things too. I mean, those are all things that you you must consider. And, you know, emergency management does an okay job uh, emergency management what i'm saying is state-sponsored education you know each town has their own there's some of that that's okay but most of that is just parroted information and everything coming from the government has to be so liability conscious that you know that it sometimes it gets um, sanitized so far down that it's you know you got it, it's useless uh, it it's yeah, i don't want to i don't want to say that but it's all <laughs> i'll, almost,
1: say, I'll okay. say it for you
0: it's some of it's really good you know they'll have brochures and stuff to give you some ideas and that's a good place to start if you've never done it before and but a better place is to listen to jim laird and craig Cottle talk about it
1: that's <laughs> true, it's true. <laughs> so let's talk about some of the resources you have you've got that youtube channel you've it's uh you've got dan's depot and then you've got the, Nat, the nature reliance school there's videos on those two isn't there
0: yeah, uh, we do have YouTube channels, and Dan's Depot is no longer. Uh, okay. it, they now call themselves Omega Gear. So if you're looking, you'll find a lot of my videos on the Omega Gear Nature or Omega Gear YouTube channel. Then all of my I haven't done anything from them for two years now. Okay. So all of my most updated uh, information is on my own Nature Reliance School channel.
1: And you, you, and you have a Facebook uh, page oh, yeah. as well. Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh yeah. I'll talk about everything then. Uh, we do have yeah. a Facebook, uh, the Facebook page is, um, you know, we got seven, 8,000 people on there or something. And it, it's, it's a combination of a couple of things. We try to entertain people, make sure they see some, you know, i put some, you know, uh, uh you know, uh, a good example would be, I put a post up, um, about possums and how they eat hundreds of ticks a day you know just information about nature and educating people as well as some preparedness and survival information try to make it a fun facebook page we have an instagram account that my wife basically does all of it that's all nature related pictures people just like looking at pictures of nature uh we love taking them because we're always out and then um my most newest resource is my book that comes out on march 21st it's currently available for pre-sale on Amazon. It's called Extreme Wilderness Survival. Uh, that book is, you know, forty plus years of experience into one book, and uh, it's it's got in it, you know, five chapters on mindset, as I mentioned before, skills, tactics, and gear. Uh, it it covers everything you could possibly imagine about wilderness survival. That's for sure.
1: Cool. And obviously, you know, this this show people listen to it from all over the world, so obviously. Uh, m- People aren't going to be able to, most people are not going to be able to come to Winchester, Kentucky to do courses with you. Describe your, um, your courses, you know, from the beginner to the most advanced and basically what's uh, kind of the format on those?
0: Okay, we, got, we have quite a range, um, and, and we do teach classes all over this end of the United States and the eastern side of the United States, so we might run into somebody somewhere. But on our website, naturereliance.org, we have a calendar, and on that calendar has all of our events. And our events are, are like this. We have a basic class, and then we have uh, what we call the level one class and we have a level 2 class. Now we have plenty of those on the schedule on a range of topics. Survival being the one that's most highly attended. Basic survival level 1 is a camping trip studying survival. So basically you come in, we're going to have running water, we're going to have picnic tables, we're going to we're going to learn shelter building, fire building, water purification, shelter, uh, I mean, uh Edible medicinal plants, traps and all that, but we're going to do it and we're all going to camp, we're all going to cook over a, you know, over a grill or a fire or, you know, some people leave and go eat and come back. So it's all basic classes uh, in that regard. And then we have an advanced class and that's where we start making people get a little bit more uncomfortable. Uh, Not hardcore stress, but a little bit of stress here and there on different things like, you know, survival class, you can only have 25 pounds or less, which basically forces people to come in for three days and either make a decision that they're either going to eat good or they're going to sleep good. That's basically what it makes you decide to do. And and then uh, we have level three classes above that and usually those are private classes and there's more information on the website about those but but basically all of our classes run like this we usually start on friday nights around the six or seven time frame depending on what time of year it is and then we'll run that class through sunday until about 2 p.m and that way you know, if, if you want to take a half a day or you don't want to work at all on Friday, you can still make it to class time and you got some time to get home and, and uh, downsize before you have to go back to work on Monday. Um, and then uh, that's pretty much all of our classes. Now, we do teach some classes cooperatively with, you know, some government agencies like the Department of Defense and state law enforcement. But um, those classes might be during the week. Um, but... be Beyond survival, the classes that we teach that are incredibly popular is we teach land navigation, which is how to use a map and compass, how to read a map, how to use a compass, how to put them together, how to go into a place that you've never been before, navigate your way in, navigate your way out. We teach a lot of man tracking. If there's anything and I'm absolutely crazy and passionate about, it's man tracking uh, because there's just not many man trackers out there anymore. Uh, there's not many trackers out there period anymore so yeah. we we teach people how to and, and tracking and from my perspective is just good science and a dedicated look at situational awareness and observation skills you know you look at a track and you can look at a track particularly of a human because that's where we start and you can see whether they're carrying a pack whether they're carrying a rifle whether they're they're moving fast moving slow how many people are in a in a group and and things like that, if you have enough data that's available to you on the ground, it, it's it's pretty intriguing to me. It's just been a lifelong passion of mine. Um, and this year we we've added in field combatives. We've had such a request to to I quit teaching martial arts full time to dedicate to Nature Reliance School about two years ago, and uh, I've still got a number of people that are want me to teach combatives and and stuff of that nature. So we added a field combatives course where we're going to do the combatives that I've been teaching for years, but we're going to do it in our rucks. We're going to be wearing packs and our kit and everything because, you know, fighting with a pack on is a whole different animal than it is in a dojo, in a training facility with nothing on.
1: That's correct.
0: <laughs> and uh, I've taught, you know, I've taught some for the military. I've taught some for a lot for law enforcement, but but uh, we're going to do one for the civilian Civilians as well this year because I don't think people realize if if even accomplished mar I mean there was there was a couple of very accomplished martial artists that came that just got made to look like little kids uh, after they put their pack on because they just you know you even if you take a swing you know and that pack is not on you right that pack is now up on your head or you know you get put on your back you don't you don't you know you don't do BJJ from your back with a pack on no that that ain't working. No, uh, you don't want to be on your back with your kid on, especially if you're armed and you need to get to your tool belt because, you know, now you're laying on your tools. Doesn't mean that we don't teach you how to fight with those things, uh, but we, we definitely want you back to your feet
1: and then the other guy not. So, yeah, I think I yeah, think self, self-defense is something that's greatly overlooked in our culture, and our society, especially yeah. among females. I think everyone should know how to defend themselves. I think that leads to a safer, safer society in my, in my opinion. And then people don't realize that things did go bad, like Katrina or something like that. If you have stuff, people are going to want to take it from you. (laughs) So you're going to have to know how to defend yourself. I mean, it's just the, just reality, you know? Yeah.
0: I mean, I think we saw that with Katrina. I just don't, I think people tend to, and, and and there's a, there's a mindset here there. You know, I, I taught situational awareness at our up arena, uh, man, a month ago, to all the security staff at Rupp Arena, situational awareness and observation skills. And and there's a thing that we share in that presentation that I just wish everybody could understand, which is which is called focus lock. We get focused on what we want to be the case. And even though there's vast amounts of information coming to us telling us that that is not the case, yes. that we ignore it. And that's exactly what happened with Katrina. We look at Katrina and we saw all the devastation there. But this is what people, for example, in Lexington, Kentucky will do. Well, we're never going to get hit by a hurricane. <laughs> and they just ignore it. Yeah. Instead of looking at that going, man, could something like that happen here, which is the earthquake that me and you have already talked about. And if that were to happen here, we are going to going to devolve exactly like Katrina did.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And if that's the case, you you cannot be more correct in that, you know, if you've got, If you have uh, gear, skills, then people are going to come after them. And you need to be able to defend them. And that includes an armed confrontation if necessary. Yeah. Um, You know, I, I, and I've preached this message for years. Everything that I do, I never want to utilize. You know, I taught people how to, you know, in combatives and defensive tactics, you know, how to, you know, really hurt people. Yes and i don't i really uh you know i i i've always prayed i've always thought i've always considered i've always hoped that nobody ever taught how to use those skills and i never want to hurt some i don't want to bring harm to other humans but i'm telling you right right now man if somebody's going to hurt my wife or me or my kids i'm going to hurt them and i'm going to hurt them quick
1: yep absolutely
0: uh, i'm, I'm I, I i do you know i have that general Mattis mindset that That uh, I'm going to be kind, I'm going to be nice, I'm going to be a gentleman to everybody I meet, but I'm going to have a plan to kill everybody that I come in contact with. Yeah. And uh, and I hate to be that aggressive about it, but it's true because I think, I believe with every ounce of my being that we should do everything to be, you know, to be nice and kind to one another, love one another and help one another whenever we can. and. At the same time, be prepared if somebody tries to bring harm to us that we have not instigated to, to defend ourselves. Absolutely. And unfortunately, sometimes that that might mean to go on the offensive even
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: for whatever, you know, people want <clears throat> to determine that to be. But I, I'm just, you know, I, I'm a nice guy, man. I, I, love, I love helping people. I love trying to make the world a better place. But I also am not going to let you bring harm to me either.
1: That's correct. That's the way it should be. People people don't understand that. You know, if, if things went south, people would go primal real fast. Here, here's and, an and example. When, for and when you. people get hungry, they're going to do some crazy stuff.
0: Yeah, I agree 100%. I, I trained a special response team from Memphis that went down to the Memphis Fire Department. They have their own special response team for the fire department that went to Katrina. And I trained them after they had been to Katrina. It was about a year later in survival training and the stories that they'll tell around the campfire is just incredible. Well, one of them that just stood out to me was, you know, they were, they were Kentucky firefighters, and they went down there in trucks and all the gear and trailers and everything, and they had issues finding gas to be able to get around and do what they need to do, which was fill up boats and float around, see if they can find people and bodies and all the stuff that they were doing. Well, they end up basically running an operation to steal gas from the police department. Okay. Because at that point, the fire department and the police department was competing for resources. Now, whoever saw the law, whoever saw the law enforcement, I don't know, you know, if it was, you know, state police or FBI or whoever it was, but the, you know, the fire chief in this particular location was like, you guys, we're going to, we're going to take their attention over here and you all are going to go in there and get some gas. (laughs) Now, If that is, if that is how our first responders are forced, they did it. They did not do that willingly and they did not do that for fun. That was not fun. If that's what it takes to help save lives and first responders are doing it, how hardcore are people going to be against one another? Yeah. They're going to kill people. They're going to destroy homes and any number of things
1: businesses everything you can imagine well i mean
0: we've seen it in ferguson we i mean and i know that's a different case but you can see how fast a community of people can devolve and start going after whatever they think they deserve to have whether it's theirs or not right and um you know we could get into too much political discussion on that so maybe i shouldn't <laughs> even brought it up but but um but that that that's how fast things can devolve really quickly. If that new Madrid fault line hits here or a tornado, you know, how many years ago was it that tornado hit West Liberty? They didn't get water into West Liberty for four days. They were without water for four days and people were just sitting around in parking lots waiting for the national guard to show up with water.
1: Yeah. Well, hell in Edmonton, Alberta, when I was in uh middle school or high school, we had a, like a class five tornado, in Edmonton, which is almost in the Arctic and that's unheard of. So weird stuff can happen. I mean, it killed so oh, many yeah. people because everybody was out looking at it going, wow, that's really cool. <laughs> you yeah, know? it's a tornado. I've never <laughs> and, seen I've never seen one of those before. Wow. And they're getting hit by, you know, debris. And, and so a lot of people lost their lives because of that. So weird, weird stuff happens all the time. So Absolutely. I agree, but, I but Craig, you and I could sit here and talk all afternoon, but we're going to have to yeah, sure, sure. gear it down. But I really appreciate you being on. Make yeah, sure man. Go, thank uh, you. Uh, oh, you're welcome. It was a, pleasure. It make was a sure, pleasure being Make here. sure you go check your uh, Craig's site out. Check his book out. Hopefully, we're not trying to scare you to death. I just want oh. people to start thinking about getting outside, and then start thinking about, hey, you know, maybe I need to stash a little extra water. Maybe I need to just start thinking about some of these things and be proactive. And if it never happens, great. But if yeah, it does happen, sure. you've got those things there to, to to take care of you and your family. Great man, I hey, hey,
0: I think you got the right mindset, Jim. I mean, obviously, as we pointed out real early on, the getting outside is so good for your health. And I I shared maybe one or two stories of about twenty five hundred yeah. <laughs> that I've collected over the years. I mean, it's it's just a fact. Getting outside is good for all of us. So. Anything that I can do, my Facebook page, Instagram, my book, my classes, my YouTube channel can do to help people do that. I'm all about it. And, I can't. again, I can't thank you enough for letting me share some information here.
1: No problem. Thank you for doing what you do. And, everyone, thanks again for tuning in to another edition of The Jim Laird Show. And uh, let me know if you have any feedback. You can reach me at uh, jimlaird, G-Y-M-L-A-I-R-D dot com. If you have any questions, uh, I'd be happy to answer them for you. And, uh, have your guys, have yourself a great day. Thanks for listening.
0: You've been listening to the Jim Laird show with your host, Jim Laird. If you'd like to hear more, log on to body.io. Don't miss the next episode of the Jim Laird show when he'll probably say something inappropriate but unexpectedly insightful.